We're going to start with a little music quiz. Oh. Okay, exciting, isn't it? Okay, so uh, the, qu- the, the, the quiz is you can confer with the person next to you. You just have to work out what is the common denominator with all these songs. Okay, I'm going to give you a few seconds. It will probably become pretty obvious after a little while, and I'm hoping this is all going to work. Okay. 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 You can talk to the person next to you. Just don't share your answers. Some of you are looking... This is a slow start, this one. Let's see if you catch this one. This is a bit old. Some of you are going, I've never heard this in my life. This is old. <laughs> Lolly knows this song. Is this, Lolly, is this your moment? Are you auditioning for the worship team? Okay. I'm going to move this on. You getting this? You know what the common denominator is? Extra points for the band. Anybody tell me what the band is? Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd, indeed. Okay, and the song is? Money. Okay, right, there we go. That's as creative as it gets this morning, I'm afraid, everybody. So there we go. I hope you enjoyed that. So we are in a little series as a church at the start of the year talking about starting the year really well and you know we've done a number of preachers talking about we want to start by looking up in other words we want to we want to think about orientate our lives and orbit our lives around god not around ourselves life works better that way we're designed like that karen talked about how we do that we talked last week about the issue of time and how we handle our time and steward our time has a huge impact on how we live our lives massive impact this week, I want to talk about the issue of money. Now, money is a sensitive issue. I just want to say that. It will be very different for different ones of us culturally in the room, how we think about money, how we handle money. Sarah and I, many of you will know, lived in London for 30 years. We were part of a very diverse church. Many people in that church were sending money back home to Africa because they were supporting family members because there's a, a, quite a different view of extended family to someone like me who grew up in in Southeast England. So culturally, we will view and approach this issue quite differently, and that's absolutely appropriate and right. So what I want to try and do is I want to try and draw out some principles which we can apply, if you like, corporately, but also you need to contextualize into your life where you're at. I'm aware that for some of us, uh, we might be struggling financially. Some of us may have never been told how to steward money. We might be, it might be out of control, or it might be really under control. Some of us might live a life where we are giving very generously. Others of us just think we barely have enough money for ourselves. Uh, So we're going to talk about this. It's sensitive. I'm aware of that. Um, But if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Mark 12. And uh, you will know that Jesus spoke a lot about money. And this is quite a famous little passage. Not really about him talking so much about money, although he does mention it, but really about something that happens. Uh, But if you haven't got a Bible, I'm going to read it to you anyway. And this is... Mark 12, verse 41, it says this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more money into the treasury than all the others. 
So clearly she hadn't put in more money, but he's saying she's put in more. Kingdom-wise, she's put in more. They gave out of all their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Now, there's a lot in there already, okay? But I want you to, the first thing I want to just draw your attention to, we're going to just springboard off this passage really, is this. God is interested in how we handle our money. You know, I grew up in a family where we didn't talk about money. I don't know what your family like of origin is like, but my family, we didn't really talk about it. I never knew how much my parents earned. Uh, I also didn't know how old they were. Even to this day, I'm like a bit confused how old my dad is. I don't know how old. You know, it was just taboo. Now, that is not the same for all of us. It's not the same for our kids growing up. We were much more open about it. Again, culturally, we will handle this differently. But clearly, it's not off limits to Jesus. It's interesting. He goes, sits down, and watches. We used to do an offering in the church back in London, and people, it's like Jesus is going, I'm just, imagine just walking past and looking at what people are putting in. It's like, you'd be kind of like, what? That is exactly what he is doing. He's going, what are you putting in? What are you putting in? It's not, it's not off limits to him. He's interested in it. Why does Jesus watch? Why is it such a big idea to him? Why does the Gospels comment on this? Why does he talk so much? Scholars reckon that he, about 15% of what Jesus talks about is money. Speaks a lot about the kingdom of God and talks a lot about the issue of money. Why so much? Well, probably, I mean, I, I was working this out. I think it'd be like us preaching on money about every seven weeks on a Sunday. Every six or seven weeks, we get up and preach about money. That's what he was like. Now, in churches, everyone's like, oh, you know, don't talk about, you know, like, that's like churches are just after your money. But Jesus speaks a lot about it. Why does he talk so much about it? I think because Jesus is saying to us, how we handle money, how we think about money, has an absolutely critical impact on our ability to follow him. It's not like we need to talk about money a lot because churches are after your money. We need to talk about money because it has a huge impact on our hearts. Matthew 6, Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know the story in Mark 10, Jesus meets the, the rich young ruler, basically he has obeyed every commandment. He is like a high flyer spiritually. You know, he's an impressive guy. And yet Jesus diagnoses a problem and says, there is an issue in your heart. He says to him, go and sell all you have, give to the poor, and then you can follow me. Now, Jesus is not, I believe, saying to become a Christian, you have to sell everything and give it away. What he's saying is you have to decide who's going to be first. Is money going to be the thing that you orientate your entire life after and then we try and put a bit of God in the picture? Or Jesus is saying, are you going to put me first? And he diagnoses in his guy's life there's a problem. He's saying something else has top spot in your life and it's called money and possessions. Money will compete for the affection and the priorities and the allegiances of our hearts like nothing else probably and that's why jesus says in matthew 6 he gives it a name he calls it mammon it has a name and money is a huge idol particularly in the western world i would probably say around the world but it's a huge idol it has 
power. Um, in that, in that, it has addictive power, doesn't it? There's an addictive nature to the issue of money and possessions. I don't know if you've ever watched Lord of the Rings. How many of us are aware of the Lord of the Rings? Tolkien's, yeah, okay. Well, you know in Lord of the Rings, it's built around the story of the Ring of Power. And if you read that story, you watch those films, very clearly when they get the ring, when Bilbo finds the ring or Frodo has the ring, it starts to have this power over them. Rather than being something that they own, this thing starts to own them. And biblically, we're meant to steward money. But what happens is the danger with money is so addictive is it starts to control us. A bit like the ring of power. So Jesus is saying, to be a Christian, to follow me, you have to learn to settle the money issue. Yeah, it's not off limits. Jesus is sitting there watching what people give and comments on it. And he tells a story, doesn't he? He tells stories about he tells a story about the guy who builds bigger and bigger barns. He's got so much stuff, he keeps he goes, I'm gonna build more, I'm gonna build a bigger barn, I wanna just take it all in. And then Jesus says, You're a fool. You live your life chasing after something that can never satisfy you. Ecclesiastes 5, whoever loves money never has money enough. Anybody ever had a raise? Yeah, you get a bit of a raise? How many of you ever found a raise is quite enough? You think, great, I've got a raise, and then you wait, kind of go, actually, I could do with a little bit more. Yeah? Because that's why John Ortberg says there's a more monster in us. We always want more. In other words, you never have enough money. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. If you run after it, if you make it the priority in your life, it affects the decisions you make, the work choices, the hours you will work, the places you'll work. It can destroy relationships, your family, your marriage. You can end up having no time for church, at least not in a meaningful way, or for people, and you can have no time for God. And it's not that Jesus or the Bible is down on money. There's nothing wrong with money. Okay, there are lots of plenty, plenty of wealthy people in the money, in the, in the Bible. That's all good. Solomon, Abraham, Job, all wealthy. Lots of wealthy women supported Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea clearly was wealthy, used his wealth in service to Jesus. We know that Noah, as Emma said, had a big boat. Clearly a very wealthy guy. <laughs> Just checking you with me. Okay. So Jesus is, uh, God is not down on money. Money itself can be used for lots of lots of wonderful things. And some people, God, you know, God blesses people with money to do amazing things. So money in itself is not wrong, and it can be wonderfully good. But it is a rubbish God to follow. It's a terrible idol to bow down to. It will enslave you and never deliver what it advertises. So 1 Timothy 6 says this, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. That's the path we go down. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So it's not money. Money's not the root. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So it's a bit like if we could somehow kind of visualize the issue of money in our midst. You want to put all those kind of yellow sticker across it and saying, handle with care, like safety warning. Yeah? Like, you know when you watch the films and there's a bomb 
that's about to explode and someone needs to like someone needs to stop it and they're never quite sure is it the blue wire or the red wire and, and yet the time is ticking down and the entire city is going to explode and they're wondering and it's like it's very precarious and Jesus is going this is precarious you have to handle this with care you can't just blase in a kind of like unthoughtful way just do money the way the world does it because to the world money is a huge idol so Jesus is saying handle it with care and the Bible has an answer for us as to how to ensure that we can steward money rather than it controls us. And it's summed up in one word, and the word is give. Okay? You read the New Testament, you will find again and again the emphasis of the, of the Bible when it comes to how we handle our money, our primary approach to money is to give. Again and again it comes up. Give it. Share it. Don't keep it all for yourself. In other words, the main financial advice, I don't know if in the Netherlands there are financial programs, but in the UK there's lots of programs about how to handle your money and all that kind of stuff, and there's lots of financial advice. Well, the financial price advice seems to me of the New Testament and of Jesus is give. If you want to live with a healthy soul and a liberated heart, don't keep all your stuff for yourself. So let me take you to a few passages. Luke 12, sell your possessions, give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 1 Timothy 6, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay out treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Ephesians 4, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. And you could just go on and go on and go on and go on. When it comes to the issue of money, one of the key biblical exhortations as to how to put money in its right place, the Bible says is, give it. Don't try and keep it all. It's not all for you. But the truth is, this is a hugely challenging word for us, for all of us, including me. John Piper talks about three levels when it, how we handle our money. John Piper is an American pastor, teacher. He says this, level one, you can steal to get. Level two, you can work to get. Level three, you can work to get in order to give. This is what he says, too many Christians live on level two, working to get and keep. Almost all the forces of our culture urge them to live on the level two. I work in order to get and keep. But the Bible pushes us relentlessly to level three. You work to get in order to give. That's the biblical flow, in other words. Martin Luther once said, there are three conversions necessary. You've heard this? The conversion of the heart, the mind, and the purse. Yeah? So we can sing songs, I'm here for you. But I just want to keep it all. So Jesus watches this lady, how she gives, and commends her, holds her up as an example to follow. So what is it about her? Now this is my, uh, I can't say for sure that she you know, thought these things, but biblically I think I wanna just talk about four things we need to understand in order to be able to handle money appropriately and biblically. Okay, and I'm sure you can think of lots of others, but here's four. The first thing is this, when you think about money, you need to realize it doesn't belong to you. 
It belongs to someone else. A generous heart understands the difference between ownership and stewardship. You see, when we look at our stuff and our money, often we think it's ours. If, you, if you're fortunate enough to have children or you've ever been around small children, you'll know that around the age of two or three, they develop the use of a particular word, and the word is mine. <laughs> right? So you can go to a playgroup, and your kids, they throw away a toy they don't want, some other kid grabs it, suddenly that toy becomes the toy they most want again. And the word mine comes out of their mouth very quickly. Give that thing back to me. Mine. And there's quite a lot of a three-year-old in lots of us. Mine. It's mine. The reality when it comes to our money and our stuff is it's not mine. It's his, but he allows me to look after it for a while. He's the owner. I'm the steward. My sister-in-law uh, once, many years ago, went off to Romania to, to work there for a while, and she lent me her car. And it was very clear that she owned the car, and I got to use it for a while. Okay? When you realize it's not your car, you handle that car differently. You think about it differently, you care about it differently, because I know I'm not the owner. I'm the steward. I'm going to give it back. Well, everything you have, in the end, you're not going to keep. You're just a steward. You're not the owner. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Okay, so the house, the car, the salary, the money in your pocket, all those things which are great blessings and God has (coughs) blessed you, great. But it doesn't belong to you. And it's not all for you. You get to enjoy it. God has blessed you and been kind to you, all great. But actually, you're a steward, you're not an owner. And it is a critical thing to understand, because if we don't understand that, it hugely affects whether we can be generous or not. Yeah? It's like, if we think we're the owner, when it comes to giving, giving to a church, or being generous to others, it's like we're doing God a favour. <laughs> okay, I'll give a bit. I'll do you a favour. That's, that's an owner thinking. But when you're a steward, you realize, God, you've done me a massive favor. Like, you keep doing me a favor because it's yours anyway. So I'm just going to give a little back of what you've already given me. So the mindset of whether you're an owner or a steward is hugely important when it comes to can you live with a liberated heart when it comes to money? That's the first one. Here's another one. Life is temporary. Eternity is coming. If you want to handle money right, you need to understand this life is not all there is. And you are not going to live forever on, as in, in this life. There will be an eternity. But this life is not, it's not my home. I was remembering that many years back, we've got four kids. They're a bit older now, but when they were little, I remember one of them, I walked into the bathroom and this, this particular child looked up at me and said, Daddy, when are you going to die? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I was looking particularly bad that morning, if it was very early in the morning. I don't know. But, you know, the truth is, we're not, that's, that day will come. For all of us, that day will come. <laughs> and understanding that eternity is coming is a key thing when it comes to realizing how important your stuff is or is not. How many of us have ever bought things that at the time felt like the most important, precious thing, and then a few years down the line you're like, I don't even remember where that thing is anymore. <laughs> yeah? But that, that's a little picture of our entire life. That thing that seems so important, that precious thing, 
I don't, I don't even know where it is. I can't even find the charger for it now. <laughs> because it's just stuff. Randy Alcorn wrote a book called The Treasure Principle, and he says this, I'm convinced that the greatest deterrent to giving is this, the illusion that Earth is our home. So if we really think this is all there is, then you will hold on to everything you can. But if you realize this is not all there is, then it really changes your approach. Here's the third thing, and there are only four. When it comes to money, if you want to live with a generous heart, you have to be convinced, I can trust him. God is trustworthy and faithful. I can trust him for my life. Okay, if you don't think you can trust him, then you will invest everything you can to try and control your stuff because you're trusting in you and this. But if you know you can trust him, it is fundamentally different. Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek my kingdom first and my father will give you all you need. It's a little paraphrase. But put me first, your father knows what your needs. It's going to be okay. You have to settle whether that is true or not. Malachi 3, this is a very interesting verse. I haven't got the time to teach into it, but it's pretty, I think pretty much the only, one of the only places where God says, test me. He says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and there may, be, uh, there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I th- will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. It's interesting. God says, test me then. Find out if this is true, that if I'm as good as I say I am. One of the things I believe, one of the things we will teach as a church is that being part of a church, and if you're a visitor here, this is not a comment to you, okay? This is a grace-filled comment to all of us who are part of this church and a grace-filled challenge to all of us. Part of being part of a community is financially playing our part or giving back to him a proportion of what he gives to us. That's part of being a Christian and part of being in the church is that we are called to give. The Old Testament obviously teaches the principle of the tithe, The New Testament doesn't mention that in the same way. So different people approach this differently, and I'm not going to go into all the detail of that. But clearly, if you read the New Testament, the New Covenant surpasses the Old. And there is clearly a principle of generosity when it comes to our money. Our money is not our stuff, and we are to Mm -hmm. sow into the kingdom. And Jesus says, look, if you trust me, put me first, seek me first, your Father knows what you need. So I want to challenge you, if you're part of this church, to play your part financially. That's what we do. Very happy to talk about that outside this moment. But there's something in us that needs to realize, I can trust him. He will provide for me. And you see, every time we give, whether it's to the church, whether it's to other people, what we're saying to God is, I trust you. I can give this away, and I trust you that I'll be fine. I'll trust you, actually, you're going to be true to your word. In fact, every time we give away, it's like we are dethroning mammon from our life. We're saying, I'm going to trust you more than I'm going to trust this money. I'm, I'm believing that you will honor your word, and if I'm generous, God, you won't let me down. So it's a spiritual discipline in our own lives. Sarah and I have a number of stories, actually, around this issue where God has called us to give money away at times. Sarah is, I would say, better at this and more naturally than I am comes from an extremely generous family but there have been seasons in our life when I know God has called us challenged us financially to give money away in fact moving here was a huge financial challenge for us in terms of trusting God that actually our income will drop significantly our 
expenditure is going to go up a lot, but God, I think you're calling us. And if Matthew 6 is true, if we seek you first, then we'll be okay financially. And that has been our experience. But a few years back, we used to save a little fund. We still save, well, we don't save into it anymore, but it was called the Adventure Fund. And we saved a pot of money. We thought we wanted to take our kids on something like a bit of a kind of, (coughs) one or two crazy adventures. So we had a pot of money that we were saving. And we went through a number of building projects in our previous church. And one of these building projects, we were praying about it as a team. And I felt God say to me, you need to give all that money. And I was like, I want to, I, <laughs> I want to hear a different voice. I don't, want, <laughs> but I just felt God say, no, you need to give it all away. I'm like, oh no, we've taken, we've taken, we've taken years saving this pot of money. And to us, it was a lot of money, wasn't it, to us? So we, t- <laughs> we agreed, we talked together, we agreed, okay, we'll give it away. We told our kids, uh, one of our kids cried. It wasn't a happy moment, was it, as I recall. <laughs> and we, we gave this money away. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not of the belief that if you give money away, God's a slot machine and gives you it all back. I don't believe that. I just believe if you put him first, he will look after you. Okay, that's what I think it means. But I do think sometimes that means God blesses you. Sometimes he does that however he wants to. Well, we had one of those seasons when we gave this lump sum of money away where it, we just went through this crazy season where financially just, just things started just coming in out of the blue. I mean, little things and big things. So I wrote a few of them down. Some of these will seem very small to you, but they were remarkable. I remember we went to Ikea. We needed a duvet. We got a 300-pound duvet for 100. We needed a bed. We prayed. We managed to find someone that rather than spending two or 300 pounds, we bought it for 300. We had a friend of ours show up at our door, suddenly knocked on our door, said, I felt God wanted to give you some money, gave us 200 pounds. I remember going to, Sarah going to a shop to buy two coats for our kids. She managed, this guy was like, sold. One, one coat. And then they put it through the till, and basically it was like 5p. So he ended up giving me the coat. So I've got another one if you want that as well. So I got two coats for free. Two coats for free, and it was like Lovely. remarkable. Someone gave us a better TV than one we had. Someone I was working with gave our kids an Xbox 360, just out of the blue. I've got this, I don't want it, do you want it? It was brand new. Okay, we were doing some building work. The building work was about £2,000. Sarah's parents turn up and say, oh, I've got a cheque for you for £3,000 out of the blue. Okay? The builder in the UK charges VAT, that's additional cost on your building, decided that he wasn't earning enough money to charge VAT. So he dropped his prices again. He said, I'm not earning enough, so I'm going to drop my price. I've never met a builder who dropped his price for us, for anyone, in fact. Other little things. We just went through this season after season after season. Now, we didn't give the money away expecting that to happen to us. We gave it away because we just felt, okay, God, I think you're calling us to give it away. But what it said to us, do you know what? I think he knows. And I think we can trust him, that he will look after us. So if you're wondering, can I give money? Can I be generous with my money? Then the whole emphasis and promise of the New Testament is, yes, you can. That's not to be stupid about our money, it's not to be unwise about our money. We need to think carefully about it. If we don't know how to budget, we need to learn how to do that. If we're in debt, you probably need to talk to someone about your money and work out so you're not living in debt. But if you can be generous and learn to be generous, would it be okay? The Bible says it will. Jesus says, Matthew 6, put me first. Your father knows what you need. It's going to be okay. In fact, it's going to be better than okay. Here's the fourth one and the last one. Acts 20. 
talking about something that Jesus says this. It is better to give than to receive. That's the kind of thing we tell kids, but we don't necessarily believe. We say it to kids, but we don't, no, it's better to get than to give. But Jesus goes, no, no, it's better to give than to receive. You see, the kingdom is upside down. <laughs> the kingdom is completely counter-cultural, completely counterintuitive to the world. And particularly when it comes to the issue of money. And Jesus says, it is better to give. Now, we kind of go, we kind of translate that as, uh, okay, I guess giving is a bit of an obligation, so it's probably good to give. A bit like medicine. It's good to take it. It'll probably make me feel better, but I, it, it doesn't taste very nice. I don't want to do it. It's like an obligation. And Jesus goes, no, it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity to give. I'm giving you an opportunity to adventure. That's what it is. So when it comes to the issue of giving, it's not an obligation. And by the way, we don't have the church police who comes around and checks on everybody. It's not an obligation. It's a kingdom opportunity. And Jesus is going, I want you to live your life in such a way that you completely trust me. And part of trusting me is not allowing money and possessions to be first in your life. Dethrone that. Don't live your life like the rest of the world. Put me first in all sorts of areas, including relationships, sexuality, your time, but also your money. Put me first, because I'm saying to you, it's better to give than to receive. Luke 6, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Giving is not... I don't believe in a prosperity gospel. I don't believe in you've got to give money and then God's going to slot machine, you're going to get even richer. That's not what we're teaching. What we're teaching is you put him first and he's giving you an opportunity to adventure with him. You will have a happier, more contented, more fulfilled life. And he will look after you, I believe, financially. Proverbs 14, happy is he who is gracious to the poor. Proverbs 22, he who is generous will be blessed. So, Three closing comments. For some of us, we're not there yet. The truth is, financially, we're in trouble. We don't really know how to handle money. Money handles us. Okay? And I just want to say to you, grace to you if you're in that situation. But I would also really encourage you to get some advice. Come and talk to us and go, I need some help. So how, do I handle, how do I balance this? How do I, how do I budget this? How do I do this? Because there'll be people in the room who've got some years of experience as to how to do this properly, biblically, in a godly way. So, so you can grow into being a, a, a generous giver. I want to say if you're there, I want to encourage you to break the silence. Don't hold it to yourself. Find people you trust and talk to them. Others of us, actually we're not there. But for whatever reason, we have not stepped yet into the generosity that God's calling us to do. Okay? And I want to encourage you I want to provoke you. I want to, I want to challenge you, actually, hopefully in a very grace-filled way, that if God is calling you to be more generous with your finances, I want to encourage you to do that. Because the whole, <coughs> seems to be, momentum and message of the New Testament is put him first. Don't treat all your stuff like it's your own. Give to the church. Give to the people around you. Be generous to the people you are with, that you work with. You go for a drink or a coffee with someone, be the kind of person who who offers to pay all those things, develop a generous, God-oriented lifestyle, and I believe God will absolutely look after you in the process.
Let's stand. We're going to pray.